0: so excited um that we're doing this book tonight this is our if you're joining us our second book club meeting ever we're trying to do them once a quarter and our club members voted so like very excited um our crew said we want to read this book and for the first time ever because this is our second book club meeting we actually have the author joining us so (laughs) that's yeah yeah Thank you for taking the time for that.
1: I would miss it.
0: Did you think all these years later you would still be doing book club readings?
1: I had no idea. I just jumped over the edge, and and here I am.
0: Do you have an audiobook out yet? I remember when we did your interview last year, you were I, thinking about having an audiobook.
1: Yeah, I, I I was very swept up in pride. We we. This last Saturday, we were supposed to have the Blue Ridge Pride Festival, and that just consumes me. Uh, now that that's done with, um, I am going to, I've, I've made the decision, I'm going to go ahead and do it. The, the hardest part, and this might be an interesting topic of discussion tonight, for me, emotionally dealt with the issue of voice. Um, it feels right that I should read it but I think that's been my last emotional barrier to hear your, your um, and we all, everyone deals with that. When we hear ourselves on recording, it, it just seems odd. But in my case, it, um, I think that's been the hardest part, but I've just decided I need to do it.
0: Yeah, I vote um, for that. Who else votes that Tina should read her own book for the audio version? there you go there you go and it is it is eight o'clock so we're gonna go ahead and officially get started welcome everybody welcome to trans tuesday as i always say because it's ah it's right here this is my favorite night of the week when we come together and celebrate our community this is such a special episode this evening i am cassandra storm your host my pronouns are she her hers And tonight, our club members are leading our second ever book club discussion, which we are going to be hosting quarterly. Tonight, we are discussing Between Shadow and Sun by Tina Madison White, forward written by her beautiful wife, Mary Griffiths White. And they are both joining us on screen. So thank you so much, Mary and Tina, for making the time this evening.
1: You're welcome. I'm delighted to be here.
0: And if you uh, have not seen their transition story journey, you've got to check it out. Um, I had gone to Mary, who I've known for years and years and years, and said, you know, I want to feature a spouse. I want to start telling these spouse stories. You're going to be my spouse of the month. Actually, (laughs) October of last year, it's been been just about a year. And um, Mary and Tina gave us so much of their time that instead of the traditional, like, one episode interview and a follow-up on Trans Tuesday, we made you both the entire month. So if you are inspired (laughs) by what you see tonight, there's a whole string of videos on the Trans Tuesday or on the um, Transition Journey section of MyFeminineHeart.com. You can hear Mary speak all by herself. And then Tina by herself and the two of them together, I put bloopers in for the first time because I had so much camera B-roll of them off screen (laughs) in between takes. So if you're a club member, you can watch it all. If not, you can listen. Um, But I I hope that you enjoy their videos and I hope you really enjoy tonight. So excited. Uh, When I interviewed you both last year, I read this book and knew how special it was and was really eager uh, to share this with the club members who voted for this to be happening tonight. So speaking of our amazing club members, I wanna give a big shout out to the amazing ladies you're seeing on screen. And I'm going from my top left to the bottom. So, but in case it's not it for everybody, please wave. Hi, Bronwyn Drew. And Michaela Roden, Liz Tattersall, Georgette Corneo, Ashley Glennon, and Renee Mitchell. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining us as well. And uh, in case you are joining us for the first time, what My Feminine Heart is, is we are a membership club with a private online community and an interactive online show where we feature special episodes like this on Tuesday night. So this is really a platform for trans women to share their stories in their own voice. Now, tonight we are going to have discussion amongst us in the Zoom on screen, but we welcome live comments and questions from our Facebook chat um, that I'm gonna be monitoring as well. So hi everyone, thank you for joining us. And tonight we are gonna get started with our first question from Michaela. Um, Michaela, you had messaged me that you were really struck out um, on page, a section on page 194 of this amazing book, which, by the way, is available on Amazon, and I have to tell you that when you sent me that message, it's highlighted in my book too, (laughs) so if you would like to share that I would love to hear what you thought of the passage and um, what our amazing author thought too.
2: Hi, Tina Mary, thank you for being here. Um, um, Hi. The, the, the passage that I that kind of um, really hit home for me was um, the part where it says, if, if I want my family to honor my future, I reasoned I needed to honor their past. I was asking them to accept a little discomfort and to invest a lot of effort in order to support me. Wasn't it fair that I accept a little discomfort too? So I've only been transitioning for two years, almost to the day. And when I first started, I thought I could really, really honor that and um, not really care whether they call me by my previous name or they call me their brother or uncle or whatever it may be. But the farther I get away from my old self, the more it's I have a an emotional reaction inside. I don't know how to deal with that. Actually, right now, But I'm, I'm being respectful to everybody. And I'm letting I'm giving them their space. And I have to say that it takes a year, two years, three years, whatever it may be, as long as I have their love. That's way more important than how they address me. So, well, how did you deal with that situation?
1: Yeah, that's 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 probably one of the most important questions, um, and and I was nervous writing and sharing that because I did not want someone who does not want to be a dead named, uh, for lack of a better word. To feel that that wasn't okay. Um, I wasn't trying to impose a different standard, but uh, um, I guess I have two thoughts. One, I'm a parent, and I think that gave me an advantage. My children who are now in their 30s and 40s, I, for me, they will always be the three-year-old, I just the cutest pictures that I just you know just I gush over, and I just suddenly become a bucket of mush are from when they were three, and and that helped me to realize, wow, I, I know I'm on my journey about gender, but for my parents, my being born was probably really important. Um, not probably, it was very important. It was life-defining for them. And those early years are probably so special for them. And so I'm, I'm definitely not suggesting that I need to embrace that identity. Um, but, but I think I need to feel that it's okay for them to still gush, just like I do. And, and my children, yes, they've grown up, but there's a little piece of me that still remembers and probably infantilizes them at times, and I shouldn't. But but that's what parents do. And for my brothers and sisters, you know, they remember the mischievous things that I did to them or that they did to me, and 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 that's love. I mean, there's real love there. And as long as they're finding a way to connect that to me now. Um, um I, I'm I'm trying to just honor that and just see the joy in their eyes that it's and, and, and that may not be the case for everyone and in, in my family's case because I felt very loved um particularly after transitioning um I, I really wanted just for them to feel that they could continue to express that uh, and it didn't turn out to be much of an issue because they didn't. It's sort of like when you tell someone don't think of a white elephant, they're going to think of a white elephant. Then if I'd said don't, you know, don't think of this, they would have thought of that. And by sort of letting it slide by, it it, it actually never comes up, except once in a while there'll be an old family picture. We're looking at family slideshows, and it's kind of hard for them to avoid, um, you know, this cute little ragamuffin running around Um, and I just didn't want them to feel that they had to edit their lives. Um, Does that, um, it it isn't, it it is a journey. I I don't think you get there in one day. And so if someone feels the need to look, please just don't have this out right now. I, I, I think you've got to honor where you are. Um, but, but the other thing that I've learned is that when, when we label someone and I I did this experiment, I I, I think I talked about this last time with my children. I, I just mentally, I didn't do this with them, but I just said, you know, what if I didn't call my children, my children? And at first I thought, what a horrible idea, but, but it was wonderful because suddenly my, like my, my son I realized, first of all, both those words, my and son, refer back to me. They say nothing about him. And if I took those away, I suddenly had to inquire and think about what are all the things I don't know about this man or this person, this being, because I was limiting myself with those labels. And what I've learned is that when we label someone, we're actually labeling ourselves. When someone labels me, whether they mispronoun me, they're actually not defining me, they're defining themselves as someone who is caught up in either um, something nefarious, like they just hate trans transgender people, or it could be just that their mind just says, oh, big shoulders, guy. And, um, and they're actually defining themselves and giving me information. And I've tried to learn that how people define me or attempt to define me is actually telling me more about their journey. So if my mother stuck with when I was three, that's just telling me that she so loved that memory in her life. Um, And I've really tried to think about labeling. And when I'm labeled, actually, it's the person labeling themselves. And as long as I'm not feeling physically threatened, I find that very helpful. If I'm feeling physically threatened or or even emotionally threatened, it's very different, and then I get very protective. Is that? Well, yeah, that I, I thought
0: well, that was amazing. Yeah, when that was it really
2: hit home for me as far as as just kind of um, me as I am internalize a lot of things, and and to just know that the other person, a lot of this, a lot of these things that other people refer to you as, is really about them and not about. Them. thank you you very much for your insight.
0: I loved that. I mean, I'm really gonna be thinking now when I hear people do that, because it it makes sense when somebody has a label and they're labeling other people, it does say more about them. Um, I just wanna say quickly to our audience, for some reason, my live feed is not continually showing the chat. So welcome everyone. Uh, I hope that there isn't an issue going on with Facebook tonight because I do see like a couple saying hi, like Robin Kunkel and Rami Sargon, so I'm now seeing your messages, but if you have a question and a message in there, uh, please type it in. I hope that I am getting them. Uh, I'm going to keep checking back in, but so sorry if, if anything is screwy tonight. I'm just going to put that out there now. It's not acting as normal as it usually does. But um, we had another question from another one of our club members in the Zoom. And actually, I was hoping that we could have a bit of an update. You know, Mary and Tina, you shared through the book um, your different experiences with your family members and, you know, acceptance from them. One, I'm wondering, have there been any changes for us since all of us, any of us who have seen your interview last year? Have there been any new developments in the last year in your lives of family? And then Bronwyn has a very specific family question for you too
3: well tina's family hasn't changed and quite frankly neither is mine my daughter is still a problem i mean she never she doesn't call me but i'm still calling her regardless because she is my daughter i'm trying to keep in touch but it's pretty um it's not deep conversations she's very she's standoffish and that might be more because of our um political beliefs than than because of her. I don't know, you know, but it's sad, but it is what it is. And I'm really close, close to her daughters, very close to them. So that makes up for it. And my son. And your son. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking girl wise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's kind of girly too.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry to hear that. Mary but I I, it does make sense that we might not have a positive update from last year because if anything has happened in the last year we've certainly not come together in general anyway.
1: I would say my children have I don't know if I'd call it they changed and and I try to be very I just want to be clear I I try to be very careful how I discuss my children not because there are eggshells to walk on but just as i'm on my own life journey so are they and i think their bigger concern isn't my my gender we have i have a wonderful relationship the best that i've ever had with my three children but they're very protective and they don't say this but i they're protective cuz they're there for them at the dawn of their adult life, when they're supposed to be declaring their career and their identity and how they're gonna change the world. And so I think that their caution is more as they don't want to be, they want to love me privately, but they really wanna be on their own adventure in life and not to sort of feel caught up in my wake. And so I I try to be play down, Specifics, but but um, my my son and I we just we we just talk and talk and talk, uh, yeah, and nice. it's 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 wonderful. It has nothing to do with gender. It has everything to do with I'm finally not holding back or hiding something, and I could be anything. But and and we just now connect soul to soul, and and we, we'll talk for. We have very geeky talks uh, about different philosophers and psychologists and different theories of of uh, identity, and we have very different viewpoints. He's he's a couple or he's a generation uh, apart, but um, and so it's is very interesting, and, and I really enjoy that. And my two daughters, uh, what's interesting, and I I kind of find nice. Um, They're both so busy being business people, kind of stereotypical male, um, that we have shorter conversations, but not because they are uncomfortable. They're just too damn busy, you know, buying, running companies. (laughs) I actually love that, you know, that it's, it's again, getting back to just because you're a woman, just because you're uh, a certain color, just because it doesn't define you and they're very individual. And I love that they're each finding their very individual uh, paths in life. And it's it's just exciting to watch.
0: Tina, Mary, can we all be your children? It, you just sound so intentional with your relationships with your children.
1: As long as you lie about our age.
0: <laughs> be all of our adopted parents. Okay. So.
3: Speaking we have a lot of adoptive parents, actually.
0: <laughs> so speaking of, Bronwyn has a, a family question, too. Uh, go for it, Bronwyn.
4: Hi. Um, I'm the oldest of six. And I am I transitioned three years ago. And I'm, I'm 71. And um, almost, well, I've got a, a good relationship with one of my brothers, but uh, my sister and the rest of the family have kind of uh, cut me off, I, I would say, or at least we don't, we don't, we're not in daily contact. And a lot of it, I think, had to do with my being the oldest and my changing my name or, or adopting my real name, the way I like to look at it. And uh, I'm not quite sure how to handle that. And... Uh, that's essentially my question.
1: What what what's the what? By the way, you look just you look radiant, and <laughs> and and it reminds me, even as you're describing what sounds like a horrible situation, when I was coming out or when I was figuring out what what the heck was going on, and I was going to that um, center in downtown Manhattan. I was with all these people who were just, I mean, they were living on the street. They were life was horrible to them, society was horrible to them. And yet one of them, I just, I will never forget the night she said, I don't remember if this is in the book, but she just said, she was describing, she was homeless, she'd been beat up, she'd been disowned by her family. And she just said, but I've never been happier in my life. And you just have that. I don't mean that you're happy about how people are treating you, but you just have that radiance where you just seem self you.
4: Well, I'm actually quite happy where I I am because um, I I don't live anywhere near my biological family so that's not an issue (laughs) i don't have to see them day to day or anything but i just wondered if you had any advice for reaching out especially my being the oldest i'm not i was looked at as probably the most stable in the family (laughs) yeah you know i everybody looked up to me so
1: i i can and and um i wasn't the oldest But I was a parent and and I thought about that a lot that children, whether they like to complain and protest to them, their parents are kind of this bedrock. Um, And if that shifts just so much of their world shifts. and I realized that the most important thing I could do was you definitely find ways to go experiment and, and try things uh, that mattered to me, role-playing and um, makeup or, or whatever. I mean, and that's important. I really, I think people laugh at that, they titter, but we learn by role-playing as children, as teenagers, as adults. And and so it to me, it's a very natural thing to go try on different... Um, Lanny Rose, if any of you, I can't remember the name of the title, um, I don't know if you know it, Cassandra, but she wrote this book that so helped me, where she talked about transitioning was like deciding to become a fireman. And I thought, what a strange idea. But she said, you don't decide to become a fireman by reading a book or going to a psychologist. you you maybe you you see a fire truck go by and you go see the fire and you're fascinated, and then, Maybe you read a couple of books, maybe you stop by the firehouse, but it's these gradual steps that are very experiential where you, by dipping your toes in, by going to school uh, as a fireman, and if it, you either at some point say, oh, no, that's not for me, or no, it is, this is me, and I think that's what it means to be on the journey we're on, is you can only, you can only travel it by actually walking down the path. And um, and I think I just wandered from your question. I think you
3: did too. <laughs> Sorry. No, but
1: but it's, but, um, it's okay. <laughs> but 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 no. My point was I I need to separate my exploring my path. I can do in parallel with still being kind of a rock for the family, um, mm-hmm. and uh, um being there for them, and it will take them, the best advice I got from my therapist, because I kept trying to, I wanted to be perfect, and I wanted to do the perfect transition, and I wanted to be the perfect at coming out at work and with my family, and she finally stopped me one day and said, Tina, that's bullshit. Um, (laughs) You're you're not respecting your family. Look, it's going to take them, even if you were perfect, five to 10 years for each of them to come to terms with this, because they're on their own journey and they have to unwind all kinds of things about, not just about you, but about how they think about parenthood or about siblings. And, and you have to, you have to give them respect, um, and give them the time. And the the analogy that I built in my own brain was, that's going to tie back to your question, I hope, was, um, if you're a sailor, and you're on rough seas, what they tell you to do is, is to look at the horizon because the horizon doesn't move much. The waves around you are moving. And that really helped me to think about in any of my relationships, stop trying to worry about where we'll be tomorrow. Stop trying to make my son feel better. My, my children felt devastated um, by the transition. Uh, um, and I think what helped the most was I stopped trying to, to fix it and to pressure them that they needed to feel good about it tomorrow. I just said, my job is to be me and to be there for them. And eventually they will find that, oh, you know, the anchor hasn't moved. It just, it's pink, it's a pink anchor. Um, But I had to give them that time. And and meanwhile, it was enough work for me to stay. How do I still, as a parent, if, if and when they come to me, do I give good advice if Mary comes to me how do I just how do I still be me in this new kind of uh presentation and uh so I, I stopped focusing on them and said I need to just give them time because I've got enough work to figure out how I just do me yeah. in a stable way. Yeah.
0: Well and um, T- oh god I'm sorry Bron team Tina you said in your book that you had been the problem solver talking about all our different roles and families. You know, Bronwyn obviously would be kind of the leader natural as the firstborn. If you went away from being the problem solver, when did you feel comfortable regaining that role?
1: I, great question. I th- That's what I had to let go of was it wasn't my decision. It's sort of like when you pick a mentor, they don't decide to mentor you, you decide, I want this person to mentor me. And I had to just wait until, and it killed me. I mean, I, I don't want to make it sound easy, I would lie awake at night, I'd cry some nights, you know, why won't my daughter call me for this advice, And I miss this. <laughs> but, but I really needed to let them control that pace and, and hope for the best, and as, as Mary alluded, we uh, I, I don't want to imply that, that that guarantees success if if you have a child who just is not ready to go down that path. But again, that's where if I want them to respect this is my path, and they may not like it, I, I may need to accept that they're on a path, whether it's a fundamentalist view of the world. Um, I may really hate that, but If I'm asking them to respect me, I probably, I don't have to agree with their path, but I have to, I have to grant it. It's painful, just like it's painful for them. It's it's hard.
0: Does that connect with you, Bronwyn?
4: Yes, and I think you've been talking to my coach as well.
0: (laughs) Her coach is on the screen. Just thinking, we have uh, yeah, a mentee-mentor relationship on screen right now. Yes.
4: Uh, the, I think the biggest part that I got out of your book was that even though I, I don't consider myself a Christian, I'm, um, I'm a Unitarian, uh, the spiritual journey that you've been on, and and I've really related to that in the last three years. So I
5: thank you for that.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And um, Ashley, I believe you had a, a couple of things that really struck you, too.
5: Yeah, you actually touched on one of them. The uh, uh, So I I know you two are aware, uh, I'm kind of right in the thick of what you were writing about right now in, in, in my relationship. Um, and uh, there were just a couple things that th- there was an uncanny amount of similarities uh, along your journey. Um, but uh, when I read that part where you were like when you basically said i can't fix this for everyone else that that was a massive shift uh for me um because i just kept trying to figure out how i could get everybody through this faster how i could do something different to to still be me but but help everyone else through it. And all I was doing was making it worse for me and them. Um, Cause I wasn't being myself. And, and like you said, you, I have to let them work things out in their own timeline. And uh, that's been the most painful part, probably of all of it for me. Um, but yeah, that was, that was one of the biggest things I did want to uh, bring up. Um, the other thing that was interesting because my partner's reading your book as well um, after I finished it and uh, and one of the questions that that came up was um, that shocked me but uh, didn't in the end was the she said I wanted to ask about the I want to be her and I was like oh okay Um, and she's like is that a thing? And I just, I'm like, yeah, it's been a thing since I was probably six, you know, just muddled in between I, you know, the, I, I want her versus I want to be her depending on the time or day, but yeah, it was always there. Um, and I think that. And maybe opened her eyes a bit too, um, just understanding that that's not strange. It's not out of the ordinary for any of us. Um, and especially that it was there with me the whole time. Um, the funniest part about your book, I have to say was how your work situation compared to mine. Cause yours was very careful and methodical and thought out and planned. And like, we have to avoid this. And this is the last thing we do where I was like, <laughs> I'm out at work. Everybody knows life is great. And they're they're Everyone's just like, you what? And I'm like, yeah, I work at a startup. They don't care. Uh, it's, it's actually my work environment is the least stressful area for any of this for me, cause they've completely switched and they're just like, okay, Ashley, get your stuff done. That's it. <laughs> so it's, uh, it was, it was a hard read at times, but it was a wonderful read. And I just wanted to kind of at least let you know the things that touched me, uh, and yeah, the, the fix it part really, really sang to me, especially when I told my partner that she's like, yes, yes, that is exactly it. <laughs> so thank you.
1: Well, thank you. I I think what I've learned is the the most beautiful gift we have to give to the world is not to fix it. It's to be genuine ourselves. And that's hard enough work for anyone. You don't have to be trans. Right. Um, and and I, I found that our story has resonated with people discussing race, people discussing, just lots of identity is is a is a universal issue. and, and, and I actually think that we just bring a particular lens to a, an issue that is a one of a universal human condition. But um, I, I was you said your spouse was, surprised can you can
5: you say it again something about i want to be her yeah, she it was she just like she's one night she said okay so i'm reading this book and i have a couple questions and the very first one out of your mouth she's like um god she said uh the i want to be her thing and i was like oh <laughs> you mean is that what i thought and she's like yeah I'm like yeah It it was just kind of like, it was a thing. It wasn't like a question. it was just kind of a, is this a thing that everyone goes through that is trans? I'm like, well, I can't answer that, but I can at least say that you did. And I definitely did. And I'm assuming that many of us do. So does anyone else have anything to offer on
0: that? Tina, has it been too long since you wrote and read your own book?
1: No, no, not at all. <laughs> no, I was just curious. if, 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 if it was
0: disaster- <laughs> You have a bunch of people on here who just read it. We're going to quote it back to you. Like, I don't remember. It's 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, I I do have something to add, actually, no. just as a as somebody who's been a witness to Ashley's journey. Um, so Ashley... Joined our club membership in the spring. And I just want to thank her so much for she has shared so much of her vulnerability and her. I feel like we've been, we've all been watching her transition because she's been so active um, in Trans Tuesday and our discussion panel. So I feel like we're all in this, we're all in this together. But in particular, actually, I feel like we're all in this with you. Um, And I, I have memories of, of her reactions to different episodes. And so uh, for those of you who didn't see it, go back Trans Tuesday and the Trans Tuesday archive on our website in June, we had a spouses panel. And um, Mary was Mary was on that. And I remember Ashley, you watched that with your spouse at the time um, and shared some feedback. And Mary, thank you again, always for taking the time with us that you have. Um, oh, you're welcome. It's, I, it, it is my pleasure as well. So. <laughs> there is, there's a one part of the book and I was wondering if maybe we could cast some hope in Ashley's direction. There's a part where, and you know, you both are so candid. Um, you know, you, you had shared, I think there was a moment of comfort from Tina to you, where, you know, Tina was like, you've been married to three men maybe God finally just said, it's time for you to have the gift of a woman.
3: I said that.
0: <laughs> I said. That there you go. Um, so, um, you know, can we give a little light at the end of the tunnel? Because we've, we've seen you, you go through it. Um, but for those who haven't read the book or, you know, for, for Ashley's significant other at home, obviously there were rough times, obviously were there, there were the struggles, but what, it, what is like some of the gift? that you've received from being with somebody who is their best self?
3: The toilet seat is never left up. <laughs> <laughs> That's a plus. <laughs> oh, um, it's just been, uh, you know, the nicest thing I think is that Tina is, she, she's herself and she doesn't hesitate to talk to me and tell me things like in the past. Um, because in the past she would I feel like she went through this thought in her head when I we'd have a discussion and it'd always be what, what is Tom supposed to say? Well, who am I right now? Am I supposed to say what I really feel or do I have to say what Tom should be saying? And now she is herself and she just I mean we have such a we have such a great relationship. Um, I just enjoy being with her. you know she's pretty smart. that helps. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So I don't know. Does that help? Uh, oh, here she goes. <laughs> it, it, I, yeah. No, I would just offer. Um, I thought about this a lot be- because I, I do think that transition is grounds for what I would call recontracting. It's um, it's a big change, and just as our identity is important. Our partner's identity is important to them, and and um, and they need to decide what's fundamental and what's what's fungible. But I, when I went, I went through a, a divorce long before Mary. And when I was divorcing, I found this book, which was a a longitudinal study of three hundred families in California that divorced. Longitudinal means they they interviewed the parents and the children at the time of the divorce. And then they interviewed them five years later. That study yielded so many insights that they got almost everyone to agree to be interviewed 10 years later. And then again, 20 and I don't, I I think they've continued it on. And the biggest insight that they gave to divorcing parents was that if you people who rushed to a new relationship too quickly ended up divorcing again. And what they found when they looked across their whole population was that it took you emotionally three to five years to just re yourself and to figure stuff out. And if you, if you moved any faster than three years, you were probably going to repeat whatever mistakes you've made. And, and I think that applies to, to this, to, to, to coming out, that, and my main advice to couples wouldn't be stay together or separate. I, you don't know that. It would be, take your time. This is a chance for both of you to support each other while each of you kind of resets and, and learns a lot about yourself, this isn't about rushing to declare victory, to declare safety. It's, it's actually doing one of the most sacred things in a marriage, which is to see each other through a, a wickedly difficult transition. And, and, and if after three years, um, you've, you've sort of, and again, I'm speaking to either partner, you probably learned a lot about yourself in that time. Mary, I encouraged her to, you know, if she wanted a date, go do that. Um, and I did as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But we didn't do it. Yeah, but but we but we really wanted to make the other feel open to you know get this right. Uh there was someone who said that it was a book written for men and they said men have two decisions to make in life what do you want to be when you grow up and who do you want to spend your life with and too often they make that decision in the wrong order they pick who they want to spend their life with and then they figure out what they want to be and 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 then when they figure that out it destabilizes the relationship and and uh, i don't know why that has to apply to men i think for anyone here's a chance for both of you to, to really step back and reflect on what's important. And what Mary and I learned in our case was that we still shared so much um, that we're just incredible companions. And why would we wanna give that up? Exactly. Um, not everyone might reach that, but... but I, So I, I guess what I would say is to couples, not, not assume a certain decision, but... Really create this sacred time and space for each other, and our our worst enemies were our neighbors who criticized Mary for not, you know, throwing me out of the house. Uh, and and what offended me was that she felt attacked. It, it really made me angry that I'm the one su- I'm the one emotionally supporting her when her neighbors should have been her best friends, should have been the ones supporting her, and instead they were condemning her staying for staying, Be, for yeah. staying. And, yeah. and that's just yeah that, that's wrong
3: one thing I always I always uh, thought during this whole process was um, you know should I stay should I go do I want this in my life um, I thought well, what's a hurry I'm not in any hurry I mean there's no reason to hurry so I might as well just stay and help support her through this transition because I want to I didn't want her to go through this alone. And just stay and see what happens and just let you know, go the next day and the next day and see do I want to stay or do I not? And I've been staying for how long now? 2013. So there you go. Yeah, it's yes. been a while. And I'm glad I stayed, but I didn't know I would. There were times when I thought I'd just go, but then I was like, what's a hurry? There is no hurry. What am I gonna do without her? I would never leave her thinking I'm gonna find somebody else. I would leave her because I didn't wanna be with her.
0: Wow, thank you. Ashley, how does that resonate? Is that helpful?
5: It resonates. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I think think Mary knows how much it resonates. (laughs) Uh, But um, yeah, no, it's, Thank you.
3: Just so you know, Ashley, I did not share with Tina what uh, your wife talked to me about because I thought it was just between
5: yeah. her and I, so. She hasn't shared with me. She just told me she talked with you.
1: <laughs> well, wow, so the rest of us in this call are in the dark.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, but I, the <laughs> I didn't know you all had connected. But that is something, Mary, that you know, people come on the show and they offer you know, reach out to me if I can help reach out. And and you two have been so amazing with that, but not just on the show in life in general. I know that you have, you're not therapists, but you have unofficially counseled and <laughs> taken your time to speak with other couples and you're just changing the world. So many, but also one couple at a time. And, and that's, that's the butterfly effect right there. So I'm so glad that you all have found each other. Thank you for connecting. actually, when you said you two know, I thought you meant me and Bronwyn because we're always on the discussion panels with you. (laughs) So thank you again um, for always being so vulnerable. And I think Liz, we have a question from you too.
6: Yes, uh, first of all, thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed the book. And as a family member, this question is really, it's for Mary, but I'm curious to hear from Tina as to what your response will be as well. As a family member who supports what my sister Miranda has been going through and supports the family that is um, working to be together, how do you recommend the family members, as we talked about, we're all at a different place in the journey of acceptance and understanding Continue to reach out to offer that support. There's the, hey, how you doing? How's it going? And that is just so, you know, passe. It it just, it's one quick question, but I know that I I want to be there for my, my, my new sister and her spouse. And how do I go to each of them? So again, it's for you, Mary, as the spouse to say, I wanna support you, how are you? And that question continues, right? Because you're still on a journey the, and I'm still on a journey. And then Tina, um, what is your response as well? So I think what you
3: said right there, caller our visitor and say, you wanna want to go to lunch? Do you want, do you wanna, how are you doing? Do you want to? We
6: do have many states separating us. We're not and I do
3: <laughs> yeah, and just just say how how are you doing is there anything I can do to help you um, I'm here for you no know you can call me if you want somebody to talk to I didn't have that so that would be nice to know you had somebody she could call and talk to um, I couldn't even call my sister because she didn't know so yeah that's what I would say and she's gonna have a longer dis- a longer answer <laughs>
1: I think that I think that the most toxic emotion in the world is shame. And it's something that we suffer from both before and after transition is this constant feeling of shame and guilt that we've done something wrong. And you don't need to fix that. We have to we have to work out our own journey, but just being in your presence and not feeling shame is is all I would ask of of a family member. Um, Transitioning isn't like a a magic genie where suddenly everything's wonderful. You're still working through um, the same stuff in life, Um, but now you're able to talk to people honestly about it, and if you're able to do that, I, I found when I transitioned that some people thought I would suddenly have all the answers and you don't. Being a woman is hard. Yeah.
3: yeah it, it doesn't is. solve
1: anything. You're just not you're just not hiding something anymore. But you're still working through just like cis women. Um, I, I don't like that term, but I don't have a better. But you're still working through, gee, what does life mean? What do I do? But to be able to have those conversations without some overtone of shame from your family or friends is, is an incredible gift. And, and that that's all I would ever ask from any of my family or children. I don't care how they feel about me as long as they're not ashamed of me. That's the, probably the hardest, that's the one thing that just, that hurts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and, and that you're even, just that you're even, I, I mean, I so appreciate the efforts. When my, my mother, she, she died this year of COVID, um, and, and she put a picture on the wall of, of Tina, and with, with Tina on the frame, and Tina written on the picture, because she really wanted to get it right. <laughs> and she would, God bless her, she would, she would still, early on she would misgender me, but I never got mad because it was not out of, she, she her effort made her love so clear. And, and to me, I always thought of, that's the gift. Wow, for someone to try that hard. And, and by the end, what was, <laughs> what was hysterical was she would get me right, she would, she constantly misgendered my brothers (laughs) because in her mind, she just said, whatever you're thinking, say the opposite. And so she called my brothers she all the time, which if any of you have siblings (laughs) and you know sibling rivalry, I was like, yeah. (laughs) But anyway.
6: That's awesome.
3: (laughs) And I have to add her mother was 88. And she was 87, 86, 87 88 when she was doing all of this. So that's amazing. Yeah.
0: Wow. Um, well, if anybody knows uh, Liz's sister, Miranda, uh, who yeah. is one of our big club members, she's a founding club member. She's, she's on all the time. Uh, we know just how big Liz's heart is. <laughs> but a big shout out to her. She just had surgery this week. Um, was it hip
6: yesterday and she just she got home at 6 30 this evening so she's home
0: <laughs> well, love, you, love well. you, Miranda you've got your some great sibling love here and we're all sending you our um, love and best wishes for a speedy recovery can't wait to have you back on the show but it's so that's one of the wonderful things about my feminine heart at, you know, as Tina says, you know, you hate to use the word cisgender. You don't want to separate anybody, but that, you know, Mary is a club member. Liz is a club member. We have spouses and siblings and, you know, Georgette who transitioned long ago. Um, Ashley, who's going through it right now. We have, we have the, the spectrum of, of everybody coming together. And it's, it's just really beautiful to be able to celebrate that. And um, so speaking of celebrating Renee, Renee, uh, you said that you had something that you would like to ask.
1: Not really ask. I just wanted to say thank you, first of all, for being so open and honest. Um, My book is so dog-eared and marked up. (laughs) and We've touched on most of the things that I've marked up, but one of the things going through all of the pages, the last day or so, that really stuck out with me was uh, you wrote I transitioned to know what it feels like to feel loved for who I am. And that just really touched me. Yeah, I, 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 and, and this, I think I'm doing a lot of uh, work right now in racial healing. And I've just, I just, I think a gift that we have to offer the world, um, I was just talking, I, I live in Asheville and I, I've been meeting with a lot of civic groups who are really trying to think about that topic. And I said, what's most interesting about trans people isn't our gender or genitals. Society, if they wanted to learn from us, they would just ask, what's it like to, to lose privilege suddenly? What's it like to change identity to, to to navigate the world under a different set of rules that.'" we have a unique perspective on that because we've crossed that and we've had to struggle with something that most people find themselves in one side or the other. They either feel stigmatized or they don't. Um, and uh, um, I, I just think that with, with, with race, I, I, I think anyone who or, or, or women, women in a group, in, in a room full of men, when you feel othered, when you feel stigmatized as something less than the other people in the room, your mind goes into overload. Uh, I used to walk into a room and just command it, um, and not be, I, I just didn't even think about it. And then suddenly I found myself going, why did they call on me? Why didn't they sit next to me? And all these... Will I get home from the post office? And I, I, I think um, people who are in a majority, however you define that majority, often fail to appreciate how intimidating and scary and frightening it can be to feel othered, to feel, and, and what you don't know, what, what, what people don't appreciate is that's going on in our heads. Everyone in the room might love us, but we're still sitting there going, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? And you don't think that way if you feel part of the appreciated majority. And I don't think that has to do with race. I think it has to do with any majority. And, and I just share that. I think th- there was um, a philosopher who, who um, I've been trying to find him so I could cite him, but he, he, he talked about the myth of Cinderella and that Cinderella was about a child who grew up called Cinderella because she grew up living amongst the in the coal scuttle and then she emerged and became this princess and and he said the the point of that whole fable was that the the coals of our youth often becomes hardened into the diamonds of our middle age and and I do feel that 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 the, all the wounds that I felt being trans are actually my greatest gift to offer to the world, to my children, to marry, um, because they give me an appreciation for issues um, that if I'm brave enough, I, I can share and, and um, pass along. And, and, and I, really, I, I really believe that, that the, the coals of our, of our childhood if they don't destroy us, and that's what I found in our community is most of us are either destroyed or we emerge just freaking strong. Um, we're either coal dust or, or a diamond. And um, I think we have so much to offer, not because we're special people, because we've experienced some unique um, pains and uh, heartaches And we should embrace those because they're actually what make us, forgive me, but cool as shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Renee, I have to say that I had the same passage highlighted as well. Well, highlight because I have the the electronic version, though I'm getting the paper copy the next time we are together so I can get it signed if you (laughs) want to do that. I love I don't know if anybody is out there, if you can't tell tonight, this is a very smart couple. And Tina wrote this as though it was like her dissertation. (laughs) So there's a a beautiful writing and and philosophy and and everything. And One of the things I will say jokingly, unanimously now, I won't mention what our first book was, um, but it was a book that Miranda told Liz to read to understand what it's like to be trans and it was the first book everyone overwhelmingly said this is the definitive book that we have to read and then most of our group didn't like it so it kind of was like a sesh <laughs> when we finally got on the screen we read this definitive book and it wasn't always fun to read if anybody's read any books like i don't know the 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 game of thrones ice of song of ice and fire series you know when you read a book and it goes on too long this is a book that you truly can read in a couple of days, but it's it's so beautifully done. And there's so many, the entire thing is just a human moment. I, I challenge anyone to read your book and not find something to connect with. Um, and in what Renee was saying with, with the part that she dog-eared about love, there were two kind of bookends that I always kind of come back to with that, where one, you know, you had talked about being your biggest enemy that no one hated you as much as you hated yourself. And that if like child protective services knew how you treated yourself, they would have taken you away. But then, you know, so there's, you know, the ability to find that self love, but then on the other end, how can we really accept love from others? Like you've been saying, if we don't put our full self out there if we're not showing who we really are are we really accepting love for who we are or for the image that we are putting out into the world yeah i I, um,
1: i think this was in the book Uh, i think we need to reread it (laughs) um, no, 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 um, uh, no i do a lot of other writing so sometimes i don't remember what's in the book versus other writing but um I think the most important thing that I did and I was discussing this with with someone yesterday. um, Thich Nhat Hanh is a a Buddhist monk and he he just writes lots of he's one of these people who just has lots and lots of quotable phrases and one thing he talked about was this this notion if 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 a mother hears a child crying in the crib. She doesn't go debate with the child or remonstrate or whatever. She picks it up and just holds it and says, I'm here for you. And and he said, that's what we need to do with ourselves. And and I, during my darkest days, I went every day for one to two hour walks with just myself. And, um, And I just said, I'm here for you. And I said, wow, you must be in a lot of pain. And that sounds silly, but it was the most profound thing I did because I realized I had, and this, this applies, you know, alcoholics have found this issue. People with lots of other conditions have found they haven't been listening to themselves. They haven't been there for themselves. They've been judging themselves. They haven't just been there to say, I love you. What can I do? I love you. What's the pain you're feeling? And, and I didn't try to solve anything in those walks. I just tried to sit with the decades of pain and say, I'm, I'm here for you. And I I realized in those moments that the trust I most had to earn wasn't from Mary or my family, it was from me that I had not been there for me. And just saying, I'm here for you. I had been continually um, throwing myself out with the trash, just saying to be protective, I'll, I'll hide you. Um, and and what could be more profoundly sad and, and what could better explain why you have such a high suicide rate if you're saying to yourself, I'm not here for you, I don't hear you, um, I'm going to hide you. There, there's, it really, I think, if I were to give anyone advice, it it would be to start with that. Just don't, don't try to figure out gender. Don't try to figure out, just listen to yourself and be, and just say, I, wow, you must be in a lot of pain. And I, I, it was only then on these long walks and I, I, they were going to be 15 minutes, but they would just get longer and longer. Cause I just wanted to hear that this deep moaning pain and it took a long time, but I finally, it, it took me two years to trust myself in the sense that I would take care of myself. And, and that, that was far more profound than makeup, than etiquette and, and dress and all those, those things are important, but, but just that, just finally having yourself. And, and, and so when we, we went on Dr. Oz and he asked me who, you know was I in the men now? And, and the honest answer was, that's the silliest question. I didn't say this, I should have. That's the silliest question. I've never had a relationship with myself. That's what I'm enjoying for the first time in my life is I've got a relationship with me that I never had before. And I'm not trying to complete myself with another man, another woman. I'm trying to complete myself with me, which is a lot of work.
0: You know, I have a, I have a question to that. And I know that um, Ashley has a, another point too. Um, but when you're having this relationship with yourself, Tina, I know that you had mentioned in the book that you always had busy projects always you always had something that was going on but i can imagine you having that part of your life Mm -hmm. where you are you know a woodworker you're you do this or you do that do you still gravitate towards projects like that as loving yourself and spending time with yourself or are they no longer necessary because you don't need to be busy
1: Um, (laughs) we're laughing because in the so let me just the last two weeks I have resealed my driveway. I, I not only redid red uh, uh, stripped my fence. I did my neighbor's fence. I rebuilt another neighbor's wall. I power washed another neighbor's uh, house house and and then I replanted. I planted um, probably twenty bushes and, and trees and transplanted um, the ones she and this off. was just because I just needed an outlet. Uh, no, so I I think I think. It is, um, it is something I use, but now I, I don't feel I'm escaping something. I just feel very at peace. She enjoys that, it. That's for me like doing artwork, but I, I'm not, I can't draw precise lines, but I can move dirt like the best of them.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she just, um, she, she puts so much effort in preparing for the Pride Fest here in Asheville because she runs the whole thing and When they decided, the whole um, board members and everybody decided to, the entire team, to not do it this year because of COVID, I think it was such a relief. And then she was so, she was doing so much work on that, she had to find something else to do because now what do I do? (laughs)
1: But but there's a big difference from, from back when I wrote the book. Uh, today when I do a project like I'm out there doing it for my neighbors and it's Tina doing it for the neighbors. And uh, and we were just up right before this call, we were up at the neighbors um, whose wall I'd rebuilt and just, just laughing and, and having fun about that. And so it's now for me, that kind of activity is a way of connecting with the world. And before it used to be a way of of hiding from the world. And it, it couldn't be, emotionally, it couldn't be more different as an activity. Well,
0: feel free to come up and see <laughs> my driveway anytime. You need projects. I'm sure everyone on this screen would be happy to give them to you. Um, but I know, Ashley, you had another point that you had wanted to mention.
5: there was there was actually two things because one thing came up when in my mind while you were talking about how we have a unique perspective on the world going from one group to another Um, when i came out at work uh, or when i was coming out at work i actually i work i work in an extremely male-dominated field uh in semiconductor engineering and whatnot so um but there are but, but my boss is actually a female um and I was extremely open with her and talked with her about this for a long time and she's like you do realize that you're going to go from the absolute top of the food chain to probably the bottom of the bottom with this and I'm like yeah she's like okay just want to make sure that you get that and and uh, thankfully because of my office like it's it hasn't been but there I mean there's been changes but it's not been as dramatic as I was worried it would be Um, but that was that, I just thought that was an interesting aside. Um, the, the, the one thing I did want to bring up that I'd forgotten to mention before was, um, the, the, the theme that came up in your book over and over again, that came up in my life with this over and over again, was I did not give the people in my life enough credit, uh, for how they would respond to this, um people that I thought were going to be the hardest and the worst, uh, react, worst reactions and everything actually have turned out to be some of my staunchest supporters in the end. Um, and it was just kind of, a, I mean, I guess, you know, I give a lot of credit to my friends. Like I'm surrounded with wonderful people. Uh, I, it's, you know, something that my partner and I have worked really hard to find a really good solid group of friends and our, and our families are kind of amazing too, but like, um, But yeah, every single person was a gut wrenching fear every time. And in the end, it was unnecessary. But boy, it sure seemed like it was necessary going into it. Um, So it was like, it was, it it just was an interesting look back uh, after going through all of it, realizing that, you know, yeah, I I just didn't give people enough credit, I guess.
1: (laughs) It's, by the way, let me just stop it. Do you know Lynn Conway? No. Okay. Your homework assignment is to go Google Lynn Conway. Okay. <laughs> and you will realize that you are actually at the top of the freaking food chain. Lynn Conway blazed a trail for us in the 70s as an IBM executive. Lynn Conway is credited oh. with so many things in the semiconductor industry, writing the handbook. I mean, and and you'll find several other examples. Uh, we are, if you could pick one industry where we stand head and shoulders above the rest of the population for number of patents, contributions to society, uh, cell phones wouldn't exist as they are without us. Um, you, you should just learn a little bit more so you could re-educate your boss and say, actually, <laughs> uh, I, I beg to differ. We we've been the leaders and, and you should just learn your history. I, I don't mean that as, as a parent. You should learn your history.
5: <laughs> but I mean I mean you
1: you in your industry have one of the most incredible stories to tell. Um that um so you should be very proud of it and um and educate people. Um, because you're you're standing on the shoulders of giants. Um and she is unbelievable. I, I can't even imagine someone who, I mean, any one of us to, I don't know about you, but I can't even imagine coming out in the seventies oh, as, as, a, you, and, and as an executive. Um, but um, yeah, so learn about Lynn Conway. What a, what a, what a person. Um, but um, I, I really, again, i've really been humbled to realize um, what it must be like to be black in this country to be uh hispanic to where you walk into a room and, and all the things that we're now struggling with you know how do i how do i gain acceptance how do i gain credibility again uh what are they thinking of me um a lot of people in the world have to deal with that all the time, and we probably have a bit of a of a key to how do we translate that shift in feeling to to other. I, I, everyone, at least that I can see, is white, and um, I think that we have a. Once we get our shit together, and each of you should just you know focus on you. <laughs> But, but when you're ready, um, I think one of our gifts that we have to offer is just try to figure out how do you help people who don't understand, they just don't, people say, what do you mean I have privilege? And they get all angry, and I think that we better than anyone should be able to describe what's it, what is it about privilege? Because um, people with privilege often just don't understand it until they lose it. And, and most of us have. And um, it really is something that if we move beyond just our gender and our identity issues, I think the real gift we can give to the world is perhaps to help uh, people cross that that bridge.
0: Thank you for that. And I, I have to say, um, I'm shocked knowing, Tina, that we all have not gotten individual homework this evening. So, <laughs> <laughs> but if you're at home and you haven't read the book yet Between Shadow and Sun, that is your homework at home. And uh, I think we've got time for one last question uh, before we wrap up. Georgette, I know that you had something that you wanted to share.
7: Uh, hi. Um, speaking to Baldwin Conway, I have read much about her and her problems with ibm um but i also transitioned in the Mm, mid-70s and and i can confirm like ashley said um i worked in the computer hardware industry which out of 20 some people at my particular site i worked on department of defense installations that uh there was only one other woman besides myself and most of the guys were like Why would you do such a thing to become basically like a second-class citizen? And being, my mother taught me not to accept those kind of ideas. I guess I was a feminist, per se, and I refused to be that. And after about five years, I was in charge of all those guys. And because they knew me, they did not uh, um, question me because I could do just as what good a job or better than all of them. My question, and I hope I can be respectful on this, is since I transitioned so many years ago, I've always made it a point not to bother reading all these uh, transition (laughs) stories and books, because for me, it's a lot of uh, been there, done that, Uh, not to make light of any of it, um, but and I have had a couple people when I've told them my story, they wanted to ghostwrite some kind of a story. And I've always said, look, as far as I'm concerned, my life has not been anything outstanding. Uh, so you know, but do you find writing such a book is um, not sure of the right word, but uh, I guess um, helps you to remember all this. And to work out any further demons you may still have about it, um, because uh, one of the, I'm not a you apparently ran journals because you always would quote some of those. I was never a uh, a writer of journals, diaries, whatever. I've tried over time, but I always lose interest after a while. And uh, and after 45 years, uh, facts and things like that are a little bit scarce. <laughs> uh, you tend to forget them. And uh, I've been very fortunate in that uh, when I came out to my mother, um, who was the arbitrator in our family for the kids and everybody, um, she was very happy that I finally figured out what was wrong with me back in the 50s and the 60s. And that I had a plan to do something about it. and so uh, most of all my cousins, my aunts, uncles, parents, my brothers, sisters, some of the nieces and nephews are the only ones that uh, ever knew me before. Most of all the newer ones and other, and when they take spouses and things, they have no idea about the prior thing. So do you really, did you gain a lot of self-knowledge and I guess writing all this?
1: Yeah. Great question. Um, so one writing that book is the hardest thing I've ever done. It was, I actually rewrote it eight times. And I mean, when I say rewrote, I don't mean like little edits. I, I mean, changed the order changed, just changed everything. It was very hard work. I wouldn't enter into it lightly. It's, it's, um, um, I'm glad I did it, but it's a lot of work. Um, When I was transitioning, I approached an author, and and Cassandra was actually one of uh, the Keystone conferences. And I was so hoping, I was so full of hope as I approached them with some questions, and it quickly became clear that they were all about their book and it really hurt me and and so when i did write my book i did not market it i've never marketed the book um i had a publisher who wanted to spin it and things like that and i said no i i am going to this actually started as a letter to my children and and um I like to think that maybe if there's a lot of honesty and it's, it's because that was my audience. It wasn't, how do I get published? How do I do this? It was, how do I explain this shit to my children? Um, and, um, and, and I've just made the promise that I would let it, I would give birth to it and it was on its <laughs> own after that. Uh, And I would stand behind it, I'm very proud of the book, but I've really tried not to do that because I think all of us are on such an intimate journey and and it's so hard for anyone to prescribe, here's what it means to be trans or here's how to be proud. And I just tried to share in all my vulnerability and as, as I was willing to be as honest about myself as I could, I was a little protective of family members uh, and what they wanted revealed. But um, it, I didn't write it to solve something. I really wrote it because I felt I owed that to my children. Um, and I wouldn't, uh, um, unless you really feel called, I think there's so many ways you can give to the community. I don't think you should feel that you're only real if you've written a book. Um, there's so many ways of what you've done if, coming out in the 70s. I mean, that's just freaking amazing. Yeah. And, and if there are little pieces that you want to share, um, what I would advise anyone to think about, I think the most sacred decision you make when you write is who's your audience. And so before you write a word, I would say, it, it, it just made all the difference that I was writing this to my son and my daughter. And how could I, I mean, I was looking them in the eyes as I wrote what, you know, how, and it really affected profoundly what I, what I wrote because I, I just couldn't mince words with them. Um, and, and I, I think I think about if you feel called to write is who are you writing to? And I would write to them and then just plan on seven rewrites Um, What what I learned from editors was that we tend to write, particularly those of us with an academic background, we tend to write, I'm going to tell you what my conclusions are, here's the argument of the story, here's the supporting evidence, and then here's, you know, I'm going to repeat them. That's not how people read a story and it took a, a very wise editor to train me, don't give it all away in the beginning share it as you felt it and experienced it in your life. And it was very painful for me to share some real moments of vulnerability without foreshadowing you know, how much I grew through the experience and just being very vulnerable about what an idiot I was. Um, it's, but that's how people really wanna read stories is to, is to follow you on your journey of, of your vulnerability, of your lowest moments, your funniest moments as you experience them then, which is completely different from a lecture. And if you just want to more make points, I would stick to, it. it's a very different format. That's very valuable, Valuable. Um, but um, and, 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 yeah, you should explore it, but <laughs> boy, is it a journey. <laughs> um, I tell a lot of my
7: bits and pieces of my story to the people that I'm around. Uh, A lot of the people that are from the Washington DC area know of me. Uh, I'm very active in a very large uh, LGBT uh, 501C3 organization that runs through all the states. Uh Um, I only give some of the X-rated material to a very few people that I know, something I would never really publish. because I did have a lot of, I, I've never been married in the uh, traditional sense, so I have no children. I did have a partner for some 39 years, um, and she died in 2014, which is why I'm trying to find out what I can about what's happened in all those years, mm-hmm. because I we completely went off the grid and just did our jobs and stuff like that, so... Thank you for
0: your time. You know, this sounds like this would be another great workshop with Liz. Liz, if you could lead us sometime in a journaling exercise. <laughs> so I can tell you, Georgia, I have the, um, I have the same issue of, of journaling as, as well, yeah. but love to write. So same with Mary and Tina have been writing a magnum opus to my era in the wedding industry since I for like the last nine years. And that's like the tear completely open, rewrite it for the seventh time. So I feel that pain, maybe we should all just start with Liz and journal first. But um, before I wrap up, does anyone else have any last things to ask? Yes, Bronwyn.
4: Thank you for the writing tips. Uh, I'm struggling, well, not really struggling. I'm, I want to put out a, uh, do a book with my artwork and my poetry. And, um, and it's, uh, I'm not sure where to begin, except maybe at the beginning. So, <laughs> but thank you for the inspiration.
1: Do it for yourself. Don't, don't that's, do it for the publishing industry. And for God's sakes, we've been spending a lifetime not focusing on ourselves. And that's my biggest thing is do it. Even if it never gets published, you should feel so Blessed by whatever you put down on paper or whatever format you use. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you, everybody, so much. I've got so much to share. Um, so, next week, uh, we are not live for Trans Tuesday. We are pre recorded with an interview with a surprise sister. I'm not unveiling who it is yet, but I have waited over a year to be able to interview this person. Uh, So that is going to stream live next Tuesday. If you're a club member, you'll be able to watch the video. If you're not a club member, you'll be able to listen for free. And um, we had some great comments coming in, one of which was from a Josie J. J., um, Johns. Um, That's so nice um, for the two of you. Congrats on staying together. And from Louise Richardson, I don't know why I keep missing this, but I'm glad I found it. Louise and everybody out there, send me your email. So if you want to know when these are happening live, or you'd like to join our wait list, you'd like to join our club, you want to be in the know, um, I create an event on Facebook for every single Trans Tuesday that we do, that we air. And um, I also send an email out every Tuesday and I try not to overspan but every Tuesday you would get an email as to what is happening and when and if you find our events on Facebook if you say that you are attending you will get the notification when we go live so I hope that that helps you there I want to thank everybody so much for the beautiful love and the hellos and the hearts that they have sent this evening from our Facebook audience I hope I did not miss any questions as I said it seems to be acting a little funny tonight Um, But some other very exciting things for our club members. So we had a meeting last week, we had um, an unscheduled zoom meetup for club members to give their feedback. And one is uh, this year's Halloween party, because we did do a costume party last year. This year, we are doing it as a zoom social. So all our club members, whether you are out or not, You can participate, and we are going to make it a costume party. I haven't decided yet on what the prize is gonna be, but get your costumes ready. This is your one month warning. For the last Tuesday in October, it's gonna be a big fun Zoom social party. It's not gonna be recorded. It's not gonna be streamed. So we'll be able to just sit back, have some fun and a good time. And another really wonderful thing that we got from our uh, club member feedback, a zoom last week was the empowerment that some of our club members want to take my feminine heart kind of into their own hands at the next level so starting this Saturday coffee talk I, you know, I'm not even going to do it I'm not I can't I'm not doing that accent but there will be coffee <laughs> Saturday morning <Lots> coffee <laughs> I, I could feel it coming out and then I chickened out as <laughs> it was coming um, there will be coffee talk Saturday morning I'm not even going to be um, there. It is going to be led by one of our club members in a Zoom social for club members. So for any of our club members out there that wanna participate, but Tuesday nights don't work for them, we're gonna start opening stuff up led by our members on other nights and other mornings. So this Saturday morning, I am going to send out a Zoom link in the next couple of days. Bronwyn, don't email me tomorrow morning because you didn't get the Zoom link yet. I'll let you know. She's the one who's always, she can look at her spot. She's always on me. She's like, did you send the Zoom link yet? There will be a Zoom link before Saturday morning. Um, Grace is going to be leading it. She is our, she is going to, well, I'm not, I don't want to spoil the surprise. I'll let her share that. But she is doing some amazing things in the Catholic Church uh, with her own transition So she is going to be leading this cause for a while, but other club members out there, if you have something that you're passionate about, that you love, that you want to share with the other members of My Feminine Heart, please do as we are preparing to reopen our membership later this fall. Uh, And for everybody else, if you loved our talk this evening, please share it. And if you haven't had a chance to read the amazing book written by Tina, forward written by her wife, Mary, and you can just tell the love and the, um, the tears and the years that went into this book that we all enjoyed, um, which we did not say about our last book club selection, <laughs> 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 but uh, go out, you can buy it on Amazon. It You can download it tonight and read it um, while you're going to bed. I promise if you get the digital version, you're going to be highlighting um, through. If you get the paper version like Renee, you'll be dog earing it. Between Shadow and Sun, A Husband's Journey Through Gender, A Wife's Labor of Love. Um, Thank you to Bronwyn, Michaela, Liz, Georgette, Ashley, and Renee for sharing in this experience, reading along with us, for being such valuable club members, and for having a piece of the book that spoke to you to, to share tonight. Thank you, Mary and Tina, so very much for your time. As always, just come back every week. We just, we just adore having you on. I'm feeling reclumped. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, everybody else at home. We love you all. We hope you are having a great week. And if nothing else, tonight, I hope that you are not feeling alone. That if you have a sentiment that relates to what is happening tonight, we are feeling it too. Somebody on the screen has probably experienced it. And I guarantee you can find a moment like it in Tina's book. So give it a read. Good night, everybody. We will see you again in a couple of weeks. We love you. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks so much. Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com.